Hey, hey, welcome. It is, uh, it's a Friday. Wow, we're here. Disability uh, show is ready to roll. We hope you are as well. You'll want to reach out to the fellas anytime, toll free. Always, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. we got Savannah here. we got Brandon here ready to go for the next half hour, answer a ton of questions. Uh, i got some things to get through with Brandon, too. Savannah and a bunch of emails already piling up. But um, accident benefits and tort, a lot of people are familiar with these terms. Break it down for us, pal. Give me an overview of what that all means. Absolutely, John. So this is really, really important because some people who are uh, injured in a car accident in Ontario don't understand that there are two types of benefits or two types of claims that they're entitled to to pursue uh, if if they're injured. I'm not talking about the damage to your car for replacement or repair. I'm talking about specifically in relation to injuries. Then the first one has to do with accident benefits. And we're going to have Brendan here from my office. He's a licensed paralegal. He deals with this day in and day out, advises people and helps them navigate that kind of, uh, of, of legislation, those issues. Uh, what kind of benefits are they entitled to? He'll talk about that. That's from your own insurance company or the insurance company of the vehicle, the car you were in when the accident happened. I deal with a different kind of claim. The lawyers in my office deal with the tort side. And when I say tort, I don't mean a cake. What I mean by that is the legal (laughs) claim that we have to bring against whoever caused the accident. So again, this applies only in circumstances where someone else is either fully at fault for the accident or partially at fault. Whether it's a 50-50, 30-70, or 100%, as long as someone else was negligent and their negligence caused to some degree, the the accident that caused you injuries, their insurance company may have to pay you compensation. It could be things like pain and suffering compensation. There's dollar values that we attribute to certain injuries. If it's a chronic pain issue, if it's a broken elbow, uh, a torn shoulder, broken knee, concussion, brain injury, etc., you can get potentially significant amount of compensation from the insurance company of the vehicle that was involved. And, and by the way, sometimes you're dealing, John, with multi-vehicle collision. You have, let's say, for example, I had somebody this past week that called me that was involved in a three-car collision. First car hits the second car, second car hits the third car. And so the person that contacted me was the person at the last car, right? There were two cars behind him. And so now there's going to be multiple insurance companies involved. The reality is that the first car that hit the second car wasn't paying attention. And then the second car clearly wasn't keeping enough distance because it hit the third car, the individual that called me. And so we deal with that. And you know, you can, you can get other kinds of compensation, not only for pain and suffering, but what if you can't work now? Mm-hmm. Again, Brendan's going to talk about it from an accident benefit standpoint with your own insurance company. But for me, when I issue a claim uh, and start a claim, a legal claim for my clients, I'm going for the income losses or the potential income losses in the future for this individual. I'm going for any additional treatments that are not covered that the person needs, uh, that are not covered by their own insurance company or their own health benefits through work. Uh, what if you have people at home who are now taking care of this injured person? Maybe you have somebody helping you with mowing the lawn or, or clearing the snow or even doing things for you, you know, daily living type things, helping you go into the bath, cleaning your home. Who's going to compensate you for that? Well, that's where we go after the insurance company of whoever caused the accident. Right. So you need to understand that this is this is going to be fairly complex and you need someone, you need a team, a legal team that understands this law because this law changes every so often. The government changes the laws. You need to understand that you need to go to the right people, the right legal team, which is what we do, by the way, across Ontario, in order to maximize the dollar value, the amount of compensation that the law says you are entitled to. Guys, 
The phone number, use it to reach out to Savannah and Brandon every time we tell you. Toll free, just have that conversation if you're confused. one 821 5900 But Brandon, people involved in accidents uh, say they're not uh, just employees. They don't work for the, for the man. They're, they're self-employed. Maybe they own a business. Can they still be compensated? I know it's a question you get, right? Uh, John, yes, I, I do get this question fairly, fairly often, and it is a important topic that I do want to clarify for, for people who don't understand uh, how they can receive this benefit. Uh, even as a business owner or someone who is self-employed, they can still be entitled to uh, accident benefits and even the income replacement benefits if they're unable to return to work. So even for someone who, let's say, is a real estate agent, they may only work for themselves and no one else work for them, but they can definitely still receive this benefit. However, the uh, the process of receiving this benefit isn't as simple as having your employer fill out a employer confirmation OCF2 form. Uh, majority of the time, we would actually need a forensic accounting report completed to help determine how much someone is making on a weekly on a weekly basis or weekly average. Um, what a lot of people don't know, though, is that this report is a hundred percent paid by your own insurance company, and it doesn't even get deducted from your benefit limit. So, let's say somebody is in the minor injury guideline category of. $3,500 worth of treatment, this report is most likely going to charge around $2,000. This won't uh, this won't get deducted from that limit. Uh, another thing that I wanted to quickly mention is if, let's say you own a business, let's say a window and doors company, and you only have one other, one other individual that works with you, um, and you get into an accident, you can't return to work, you may also be compensated to hire an additional employee to take your spot so that your business can, business can continue so technically you won't have any income loss uh since your jobs are still being completed but the expense of having to hire an additional employee will be covered again uh savannah what do you think about all that what's your take yeah and, and you know he just really scratched the surface here when he was explaining what you can do and what needs to be done and some people may be making a claim on their own not understanding again the intricacies and they may fall through the cracks because the insurance company has no incentive to tell you uh, what you need to do to maximize the amount of money that they owe you. They'll tell you what they're required to tell you by law. And they do do that. I'm not saying they don't do it. I'm just saying that there are additional things you may need to do, like getting a forensic report that you may not think about doing. And frankly, you know, if somebody hears uh, Brandon say that you need a forensic report, the person's saying, well, why do I need that? I don't want to pay for that. And Brendan just told you, no, your insurance company is going to be paying for that. So there's a lot of things like this. And what we tell people is, if you have questions, if you've been injured in a car accident and you need any help, if you need any information, but you are not ready to necessarily hire a lawyer or a legal team, you can still call us. There's no obligation. We're not going to force you to do anything. The reason we do this show and all the other shows that we do in Ontario, and by the way, we operate in other provinces too, in BC, in Alberta, we do TV shows. It's to give people information. It's to arm them with the information that they need. You know, traditionally, John, lawyers usually held this information you know, close tight to their chest, right? They told you, if you want this information, you're gonna have to pay me. We operate on the exact opposite uh, idea, which is that the more information we put out there, the better people are, the public is more informed. And if at some point someone wants to have us represent them and help them with a claim, we're more than happy to do so as well. But as long as we have spoken to you and given you the information you need, you and your family uh, uh, are, are empowered, we are happy with that. And at some point, maybe you can refer us to someone you know. That's how we operate, and it's it's worked out well, and people are very, very thankful. Insurance companies don't like us, but that's okay. I don't really care what insurance companies think. I care that people get the compensation they're entitled to, because at the end of the day, when an insurance company pays you something, it's not because they're giving you charity. 
Trust me, they're not giving you charity. They know that they're required to do so by law. But if they can not tell you something that they're not required to tell you, trust me, they will not be telling you that. And Savan just mentioned other media, radio and TV. If you go to disabilityrights.ca, right across the top, Knowledge Center, click on that drop-down menu. You'll see options to uh, catch past TV and radio shows as well. But that toll-free number, anytime, one 821 help at disabilityrights.ca. If you guys want to roll into our first email of the day, I know Barry standing by sent it in said, Guys, I was uh, involved in an accident last week. Someone rear-ended me. They left the scene. I wasn't able to get their license plate, and the police still have not found the person. Can I still put in a claim, though? Brandon, why don't you take the uh, first crack at this, talk about the accident benefit side. For sure, for sure I will. Uh, hi, Barry. I'm sorry to hear what uh, you're having to go through right now. Um, I'll, let, I'll let Savan discuss the claim for pain and suffering, but I wanted to quickly mention to you that you're still 100% covered under accident benefits. You know, You have your own insurance. Your benefits for, you know, let's say if you're unable to return to work, so your income replacement benefits, your medical rehabilitation benefits for, for physio, for psychological treatment, uh, occupational therapy, or even uh, attending care benefits, you know, like I said previously, to have a personal support worker come over a few days a week to help you all with things around the house, that's all going to be covered. You're in the clear for that. So then what do you think, pal? Yeah, no, I 100%. I agree with him. Uh, I can tell you this, that we have a lot of individuals contacting us, not knowing that they can actually make a claim for the tort side of things, for pain and suffering, for future income loss, for treatments not covered you know, by the accident benefits insurer. But people then say to me, well, how is that possible? I mean, this was a hit and run, or maybe the person was uh, you know, uh, in breach of their policy because they were drunk at the time. Uh, you know, What do you do in those situations where you may not know even who hit you? Maybe you lost consciousness. Here's the beautiful thing, and I'll give credit to the government here. They created a system, an insurance scheme, that protects people in those circumstances. There's actually something in your policy and also in the Insurance Act that allows you to uh, target your own insurance company in the event that you don't know who hit you. You can go after them not only for the accident benefits portion of the claim, but also for that portion of the claim for pain and suffering, uh, for future income loss, and other types of benefits as well. So in other words, your own insurance company steps into the shoes in those kinds of circumstances uh, the shoes of the insurance company that you don't know who it is, right? Because the person fled the scene, for example. And, and you know, people will say, John, well, I don't know that I want to go after my insurance company for this. But remember, this is why you have insurance. That why, why would, well, for example, why do you have house insurance if you have a catastrophic situation? You have a flood right. of basement like my father had this past uh, 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 summer. You have insurance for this so that you can actually make a claim. If you don't want to make a claim, that's fine. Maybe you're afraid, you know, your premiums will go up, etc. But you know, we're dealing with claims where a person may be entitled to hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. Are you really not going to get this information? You're not going to go after your insurance company in that circumstance because you're worried that your premiums are going to go up by a few dollars? You know, when you can't work, when you have a traumatic brain injury or somebody else in your family is injured? So, you know, again, maybe you do not want to pursue them, but at least get the information you need. Give us a call. Talk to someone on our team for free, and at least we can advise you on what your options are. And then, when you have this information, you can make an informed decision on how to proceed. Brandon, appreciate the, or Barry, rather, appreciate the uh, the note, and we'll lead you off with a phone number, and that's toll-free, 
821-5900, that email address. We're going down to San Ju next. Hang on, pal. We'll get to you. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, any other questions, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a nice website because it's constructed just for that for you to ask questions on your smartphone, your tablet, your desktop. And it's got a searchable database. That's the way the algorithm works. So maybe your question has been asked and answered in the past, but you can check it out for sure, mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll continue with the Friday night edition of the Disability Law Show. Stand by. All right, welcome back. Friday evening upon you, and just a few more minutes to go here. Disability Law Show, but you can reach out beyond that anytime. For Savan or Brandon, member of the team, one 821 5900 is how you do that. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Guys, let's get into uh, Sanju's email. Says, I got into an accident on 401. I was switching lanes, and the person two lanes over I was also trying to switch into the same lane. Before either of us were able to get into the lane completely, we sideswiped each other. Police on scene advised that no one was at fault, and neither one of us were charged. Would I be able to put in a claim? What do you think? Well, Brendan, let's start again with you on the accident benefit side of things. For sure, for sure. Hi, Sanju. Uh, sorry to hear about uh, your accident. Thank you for reaching out. Again, I'll let Savannah discuss the claim for pain and suffering. But as for your accident, accident benefit claim, you're in the clear as well. Um, doesn't matter if you're at fault, not at fault, partially at fault for accident benefit claims. Um, you will always be entitled to as long as you do have insurance. Um, you'll be able to receive any of the benefits in this case. So if you're unable to return to work, again, those income replacement benefits will be available to you. Uh, the medical rehabilitation benefits for treatment, attendant care benefits as well. Savannah, your take? My take is that Brendan, again, is completely correct. Uh, you know, no surprise there. Now, Sanju, l- let me tell you this. Let's assume for a second, I'm assuming you're calling or you're emailing us because you have been injured. I don't know the extent of your injuries, but if your injuries are more serious, and this is what I'm getting at here when I talk about these claims, John, uh, you know, if, you, if you've been injured in a car accident and you have some aches and pains and they go away after a few weeks, a month or so, you're back to work full time, or, you know, if you're not employed, if you're a student or a retiree, you go back to essentially most of your activities of daily living without interruption. The reality is that I would likely advise you not to put in a claim for the tort. In my office, we take on the claims that are a bit more serious. It doesn't mean you have to break something. It doesn't mean that you have to have a brain injury, although we have quite a lot of those cases that we deal with in our office. But it just means that you have been injured in such a way that the impact is going to be into the foreseeable future. And there may be an impact on your work, uh, or there is an impact on your work or your activities of daily living. So those are the kind of injuries we're dealing with here. And those are the kinds of injuries that I would tell someone like Sandra to put in a claim. Let's dissect this. this. is interesting. He says the police attended on scene and said that no one was at fault. And that's fine. From a police standpoint, no one got a ticket. No one was charged. First of all, that doesn't mean that from an insurance standpoint, no one is at fault. In fact, the insurance company is likely going to say that both of you are at fault. Right. right? In fact, most likely your premiums are going to go up and the other guy's premiums are probably going to go up because the insurance company is going to say that it was either 50-50 or 60-40 or whatever the split is going to be. From a police standpoint, no one got a ticket. I can tell you the insurance company is going to most likely say someone here was at fault, most likely both of you. Now, from a civil standpoint, civil claim standpoint, if you, Sanju, are injured in the way I've described, you have to understand that the insurance company is going to be looking at this in terms of a 50-50 most likely fault, and that's also the same way that we're going to look at this from a legal standpoint in terms of compensation. An example here, John, if if Sanju uh, got injured in such a way that I assess his damages to be worth $500,000 as an example, well, if he is 50% at fault and the other person is 50% at fault, they don't catch, uh, cancel each other out. Right. It means that uh, the other driver's insurance company is going to have to pay Sanju uh, $250,000. 
You understand? This is this is what people need to understand that the fact that you are someone at fault, but someone else is also at fault, doesn't disentitle you to compensation. It just reduces potentially what you could essentially get at the end of the day. So really important to understand that these kinds of things come up all the time. It's not always a 100% fault uh, determination. Uh, it's not always 50-50. It could be 30-70, 60-40, 80-20, 90-10. It doesn't matter. I had a case one time, John, where I had a claim that was worth uh, in excess of $2 million wow. on the tort side. Yeah. But, but my client was largely at fault. The other side was at fault. We, we established a fault of approximately 10%. That, that, that was that line. So a $2 million claim paid at 10% means that my client ended up getting $200,000. Now that's a lot less than $2 million, but it's still $200,000. Right. So you understand it's not always a, an all or nothing approach. That's what I want people to understand. And that's why it's so important, vitally important to contact us so we can talk to you, understand the facts and give you the information you need so that you understand the scope of what kind of compensation you could be looking at. I think we got time to get to Lee's email. If you guys want to do this one, uh, I'll read through it uh, quickly. It says, guys, I was in a car crash last year when a minivan uh, ran a red light, hit me from the side. My car flipped several times, and the paramedics told me I was lucky to be alive. Uh, but I was very bruised, unconscious, and had multiple breaks, including a spinal injury, which I'm still getting a lot of treatment for. My husband has reduced his hours at work to care for me, and my adult uh, children are also taking turns helping us around the house. I'm in my early 50s, and I haven't been back to work since the accident. I work in accounting. I doubt that I'll be able to go back to my job for more than a few hours a day at most. I really don't know what to do. I haven't contacted a lawyer yet, but I'm afraid to deal with insurance companies and lawyers. Your advice would be greatly appreciated. Wow. Well, Leah, this is this is a really, really serious claim. I don't have to tell you that, obviously, uh, but let me break this down. So you are going to get advice here from a lawyer, okay? And I've dealt with this for almost 20 years. In fact, I started my career working for insurance companies, so I was doing defense work before. So I'm always looking at this from both angles. And let me tell you this. The first thing I'm asking myself here is who's at fault for the accident? Well, the fact that there was a minivan that ran a red light and hit you from the side, it's that minivan's uh, fault. I know people are saying, well, of course it is. Well, no, not of course. We have to look at the facts. I just you know, explained with Sanju how it's not always what people think. I can tell you it's probably going to be 100% that minivan's fault or close to 100%, depending again on whether you saw the van coming, had time to react, etc. But let's assume for a second that fault is not an issue here. The only other issue here then is damages, and they're going to be massive. I mean, the injuries you're describing, multiple breaks, including a spinal injury, uh, that is huge. It means that you're going to be in, you're going to get pain and suffering, significant pain and suffering damages, uh, probably several hundred thousand dollars worth of, but that's not where the majority of the claim is going to lie. You know, John, people think sometimes that when they are injured in a severe way, Really, for pain and suffering, they should be getting millions of dollars. Well, you know, no, we have in Canada a cap, and the cap is only a few hundred thousand dollars for pain and suffering, no matter how bad the injury is. But the reason why many claims are valued in excess of a million dollars, sometimes go up to two, three, four, five million dollars, is because of the other types of damages that we make a claim for and we establish. Income loss is massive. Yeah. If Leah is in her early 50s, she has at least, at least, close to 15 uh, years worth of, of, of uh, um, you know, uh, working life left, maybe even more, right? People nowadays don't necessarily retire at age 65. It, it, it's, it's later in life. Well, just do the math. If she was earning, let's say, 60, 70, 80, 90 thousand dollars, do a mathematical, a mathematical calculation what that would be for 15 years. It's going to be big. Now, her husband reduces hours of work to care for her. The adult children as well. 
Well, guess what? Under the law, and I'm specifically citing here the Family Law Act, you can Google it if you want, go to Section 61, you will see that close family members can make a claim, they're called derivative claims, for compensation. Pain and suffering compensation for the fact that now, Leah, they have, uh, you know, your husband has a different wife, you're an injured person now, and your children, your adult children now have a different mother who's injured, so they're entitled to that, but also compensation for the services that they're providing to you. So, so, you know, this is a very big claim. There's so much more than I can say about this. I think we can do a whole show just on this type of a, of a case. My suggestion is, I know you're afraid of insurance companies. You're afraid of Lord. I get that completely. My fear is that if you don't do anything and you wait too long, you're going to miss the necessary timelines to get the benefits you need, both from your own insurance company, as well as from the insurance company of that minivan that was responsible for the accident. And if I'm right and your claim can be valued at close to a million dollars, if not more than that, imagine, imagine if you don't get that money, the money that you will need for the rest of your life, you and your family. So again, I tell people, John, contact us, call us, email us, speak with us. We're going to give you this information. We will not pressure you to do anything that you do not want to do, but at least you'll have this information and we'll be a resource for you. That's really what I want to you know, get across here. So that if you do want, we can speak after the show. We can make arrangements. I can meet with you. You know, I can speak with your husband, family members, etc. As long as you guys get the information you need, we've done our job. Brandon, you got any comments on this before we uh, wrap up? Uh, yes, actually, I do. Um, as Savannah already mentioned, you know, you have a pretty uh, serious uh, uh, car accident here, and with the injuries that you sustained, uh, I'm sorry to hear what you are going through. But I am glad that you reached out, though, because there may be some benefits that you're entitled to that you're not aware of. Um, again, just. To recap, you know, there's the income replacement benefits if you're not able to return to work, which in your case, I don't see you returning for the next little while. But even if you do decide to return for even, let's say, a few hours a week, uh, you're still going to be able to receive what's called an income replacement benefit top up, um, which, you again, it's going to depend on how much you how much you have went back to work and how much you are uh, currently now making. Um, again, you will be entitled to the medical rehabilitation benefits for, for physio and other treatment and attendant care, but you may also be entitled to housekeeping benefits as well. If you do meet that last category and are deemed catastrophic, which in your case, it, there's a very good chance that you may be, especially with injuries that you uh, sustained. Also, if that does happen, that attendant care benefit now doubles. So the limit no longer is $3,000 per month, but is now $6,000 a month. So again, this is there's a bunch of different benefits and different limits that you may be able to you may be entitled to so i do really hope you do reach out back to us let's get into call in quickly savannah last couple minutes of the show here on uh, on a friday says i've been denied long-term disability despite my doctor saying that i can't work i spoke with my union and they said that they can help me appeal or i could speak with a lawyer about a legal claim should i try to do it through my union first what do you think phil no absolutely not absolutely not unions don't have expertise when it comes to long-term disability claims we deal with those kinds of claims in our office all the time now it could be there are some circumstances where the union must be involved uh, but in the majority of cases they do not in the majority of cases we actually help unionized employees deal with their long-term disability claims certainly do not appeal the fact that they're telling you to appeal the decision is a major red flag and i've talked about this many many times john that appeals often go nowhere I'm never going to say they never work, but I'm also never going to say that, you know, don't play the lottery because some people do win. But do you really want to wait around and see if you're that lucky person or do you want to take charge and, you know, have someone who knows what they're doing help you with your legal claim against the insurance company? If your doctors, Nicole, say that you cannot work, 
it's really, really important for you to understand that you are entitled to those long-term disability benefits. And if the insurance company has arbitrarily cut you off or given you some reason that makes no sense, that's what we're here for. We'll give you the information you need. We'll talk to you. We'll review the denial letter, your policy, any medical documents you have, all for free so that you can then make a decision on what you want to do. But I can tell you, we resolve these kinds of claims in our office all the time. Guys, and that is it for another Friday. Awesome stuff. You want to reach out to Savannah or Brandon, you can do that. Uh, now that we are complete for another Friday, toll free, of course, one 821 5900 Do not hesitate to call that number anytime. You can also send an email. It might appear on a later show, help at disabilityrights.ca, or the firm website for more information as well, disabilityrights.ca. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.